0: welcome back to Kids Under Construction, I'm Donna Tatro. We have been working hard to bring you information as we continue to parent during this coronavirus pandemic. Some of you have gotten through the first two weeks of homeschooling your kids. I am one of those people. Others are just getting started. One of the blessings during this time is that spring break does give parents some relief in not having to teach while parenting. Now, there have been lots of other parenting challenges, and we wanted to address co-parenting during this time. There have been several questions about this. For instance, people are asking, can I have visits with my child during quarantine? I don't live near my child's mother, how can I visit? Another question, my ex cleans gyms and offices for a living. I'm scared for her to have custody, what do I do? Another question, I need to work and my co-parent isn't helping with childcare, what do I do? Beyond that, there are financial questions. Jeremy Renner's ex-wife is slamming the Avenger star for asking a judge to reduce his child support payments from 30,000 to 11,000 per month because he is out of work. There are also very serious concerns and as a child advocate, I fear for children and parents who are in unstable households. Is there any way to support these kids, parents and families? I wanted to talk to top experts about all of this. I am so happy to have two people who are really at the forefront of this work. Judge Cheryl Ellsworth is co-founder of Co-Parenter and past presiding judge of Riverside County. After 20 years on the bench and 10 in a family law department, Judge Ellsworth saw the potential of court tech to fill a void and retired from the bench to focus on having a greater impact on today's families by making our courts more accessible, effective, and efficient. Laura Wasser is known as Hollywood's divorce attorney, handling the divorces of A-list stars. She has been named one of the California Daily Journal's Top 100 Lawyers and Southern California's Top 50 Women Attorneys every year for the last seven years. She is the author of It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, How to Divorce Without Destroying Your Family or Bankrupting Yourself. And she is the founder and CEO of It's Over Easy Online Divorce Services. Thank you both so much for being here. Such a pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, Laura, I'd like to start with you. Please tell me what conflicts you are seeing right now with this coronavirus pandemic. What are co parents up against? Um, there's a lot. I mean, look, the two biggest
1: questions that we're getting, both at the firm and our users of It's Over Easy, are what do I do about shared custody? Do I have to adhere to our parenting plan if they're court orders, but I'm nervous about, like you mentioned, the other parent? being in maybe not quite so safe social distancing situations, elderly parents living in the home with one or the other, or simply too far apart to be able to be traveling for a normal custody schedule, schedule, particularly when we've got things like spring break that have either just passed or are looming. So that's one question that people are asking and the other has to do with support, of course. We're having all kinds of people being told not to come into work, staying home. All of our hospitality industries have pretty much shut down. And so how do we figure out the best way to continue with court-ordered support payments from one parent to the other? So those are the two biggest ones. Really interestingly, uh, the state of Oregon just has issued a statewide family law advisory. They've got 16 members and they totally defined what break is, what happens if there's supervised parenting time, what do you do for exchanges or makeup time. So it's really interesting how the family law community is kind of coming together to figure out what the best way is to inform people and try to keep co-parents getting along insane for the sake of their kids.
0: So Judge, based on what Laura is hearing, what are some of the remedies to these questions from parents?
2: So I think that uh, Laura put those categories in those two buckets and are really accurate as to what the concerns are. So how do we address that? Um, I think you take a step back and say, everybody in every family is concerned and is filled with stress and anxiety you add to that a um, situation where you're in two different households and there's some acrimony that may be lingering. How do you help these individuals? And the first two words I say are patience and flexibility. We have to have extreme patience and flexibility. And then we have to assess each household and assess what is best for the children. Because at the heart of this, it's keeping children safe and keeping families safe. So, once we are able to have everybody take a deep breath and then say, let's let's move away from the idea that you're not going to be around your child right now, and let's talk about how we can plan for right this minute. What's your contact going to look like? Let's schedule it. You can schedule a video conference with your child with Skype or with um, FaceTime, and you can actually play a card game with your child. And then you start planning for making up days you know, everyday loss, you will have that made up. And here's the, here's how we're going to do it. So I think that the answer and the remedy is to first assess whether exchanges can still take place safely. And you need to do that with answering several questions and really going through a logical um, kind of a um, discussion that may require some outside mediation to guide you through that. And then after that discussion, make that safety plan and then adhere to it that's That's really what I'm, I'm telling folks to do now every single day is take a breath, extreme patience and flexibility, let's assess, and then let's make a plan. And the plan is not about what you want, not about your needs, not about what you think is best, but what actually is the safety plan for your children and ultimately your family.
0: So, what are some of those things that you say you have to go through that list that you're talking about? What are parents really having to focus on?
2: So, I think that the, the basic assessment is what are the safety protocols that will be instituted in both homes, with a reaffirmation to everyone that consistency and stability are key. Are there either parent an essential worker, healthcare provider, or first responder? Is anyone in your household MEO compromised, high risk, or persons over the age of 60? Truly is one household safer for the children in that they will have less risk of sharing or contracting the virus? Will you do safe child exchanges or choose to have the kids shelter at home at one parent's home? If you do exchanges, consider how far apart you live. Also exchanges may make more sense if you live closer if you do exchanges, what is your plan in order to maintain a safe distance from others during that exchange? If children shelter at home in one parent's home, how will makeup up days in the future be given to the other parent? If children shelter at home in one parent's home, what is the schedule for video conferencing, FaceTime, Marco Polo, group family phone calls, and Skype type visits? And lastly, if kids are going to continue to split time between homes, set up a consistent schedule that is stable at both residents. If not exchanging, then consider a schedule that both parents have input into. The new schedule should include hygiene, chores, schoolwork, limiting screen time, entertainment, outdoor time, and exercise. And I really think that those 11 inquiries have to be made in a very logical manner as an assessment tool for families. We need to pull them away from their emotion, pull them away from um, all of the past and the hurt and the game playing and the posturing and really get down to a business-like analysis of what the problem is that they're facing in order to then start to construct a safety plan for their family. And
0: so Judge, this is kind of a whole reset on what has been that plan prior to COVID-19. Laura, can you tell me a little bit about whether or not you're finding parents are trying to work together during this time?
1: I think they really are. I think they are trying to work together. I just wrote an article for our blog, which is co-parenting during a global crisis. And even without a global crisis, we generally recommend that parents try to adhere to the three Cs, communication, consideration, and cooperation, and really, really listen to each other and hear. Keeping in mind that even with the reset, as you mentioned, There are underlying court orders in most cases, and most judicial authorities are telling us to the extent that we can, we should be adhering to those court orders. So how do you do that within the shelter-in-place kind of orders that we've been given? And how do you do it in a way that's gonna save your kids' emotional well-being and also save money? It doesn't make a lot of sense to go rushing to an attorney at this point, because most of the courts are closed, you're not gonna get a hearing, if you are dealing with a co-parent who's really unwilling to work with you, put it all down in writing. Co-parenter has a great ability to for you to make notes and keep things in order so that if you do need to go to court later on to get some kind of judicial relief, you can do so. But at this point, try as hard as you can to keep things copacetic between the two of you. And I'm seeing that people are maybe for lack of any other real great instantaneous remedies, but they are.
0: That's great to hear that people are really trying to have compassion for each other and really putting their kids first. Judge, tell us a little bit about Co-Parenter and how it works.
2: Well, uh, Co-Parenter is an app that helps individuals and a, a platform that helps individuals to resolve their parental decision-making and um, Disputes online in real time with a um, qualified mediator. In addition to that, it is a platform that allows for all your co parenting duties to be managed, calendaring, uh, messaging to one another, journaling, um, and keeping uh, information to exchange with one another. So, at the palm of a hand, you have the ability to do check ins when you pick up and drop off. And so, it's an app that is an augmentation to. Uh, courts and to families and to attorneys that help people deal with that decision making they need to have. I think that Laura's brought up a really good example of how competing interests are being uh, played out on the news and in your household all over. The governor says shelter at home. The court um, chief justice does a blank order that says follow the orders or some other blank order and then some attorneys are telling you to do one thing and other attorneys are telling you to do another thing it really puts people in a place of confusion fear anxiety um, and then you mix into that bag something like domestic violence well at least with our app during this covid time and other times we say take a breath you can message you can have a conversation it's going to be um, held in storage and cannot be edited you can journal what the thought is and what you've been trying to achieve through um, what you're doing to show that you're not game playing, that you're just trying to follow all the rules that are all around you. And so our app is um, today, um, two, two weeks ago, I was helping people decide whether or not their kids should share, uh, share a single soccer bag for at each household. And today I'm helping them every day create a safety plan and whether or not to have that visitation. And if they are not going to have that visitation, how can they make an agreement that um, to replace the time? I'm not trying to get in there and help them do anything that is necessarily a legal issue, but really trying to deplete the anxiety and infuse them with uh, the three C's that Laura talked about. I mean, Her app and our app are very much on the same page, that this is about empowering parents to do the best thing for their family financially, emotionally, and um, also at this time for safety purposes.
0: So what I'd like to ask you, Laura, about safety protocol questions. One parent may have a very different idea about how to stay safe than the other parent. So how do you resolve that? It's not always
1: easily resolvable. I think it really is important to get some clarity on what each parent's feelings are. Sometimes these things just change and morph as they're going. Sometimes somebody really digs their heels in, even if that may not be their real feeling about something. People deal with conflict and uncertainty differently. So I think, you know, and again, If you can get into a space where you're really able to hear the other person out, whether it be verbally, video conference, or in writing, and then respond after taking a breath and responding, I think you really can drill down to what the issues are. There are some people that just love to have a common enemy. So if it's, you know, but so if it's, I really don't want my kids over at your house because your girlfriend and her kids are always sick and they seem dirty and I just don't know, versus... I'm just having a really difficult time with all of the uncertainty that we're going through right now. And again, another thing to add into this is the academics, those kids that are now remote learning. Right having to do that at two different places, as opposed to the school where they were used to going, figuring out together something that makes sense when you're doing it, and, and, and it's not easy, but you really have to get down to what the issues are. Is it that you don't like that I have a girlfriend, or, or her kids, or you don't like the fact that maybe we're not taking all of the precautions necessary that you are? I do find a lot of people seem to think that nobody does it better than they do it. Nobody can keep my kids safer than I can, Nobody can keep them cleaner than I can. I think if you really run through the list of what you're both doing and try to get on the same page and really be considerate of the other person's concerns, you generally will find that most of the things you can agree on. I think one of the saving graces of this entire pandemic is that it is not seeming to hit children as hard. And again, I don't want to dismiss that because I now know we're seeing research that kids are getting it, but for the most part, we're trying to protect older or immune deficient uh, individuals, and that's generally not kids. So, we are keeping our kids safe for two reasons. One, we don't want them to get sick, even if it doesn't affect them as much, but also so that they're not carriers and so that we can really tamp down the spread.
0: So, other concerns are having to homeschool. And if one parent is too overwhelmed because they are working from home to do this, as opposed to the other parent believing it has to happen, and then you also bring in technology into that and how technology and schedules
2: they just go out the door. Do you have to be on the same page? So this is Judge Ellsworth. And um, one of the things that I really urge people to do is to create a schedule that will be the same um, at both households. I think continuity and stability is um, not only good for the children, but quite frankly, good for the parents as well. Um, One of the ways that you can take stress and anxiety and depression and um, alleviate at least some of that is by being on a strict sort of uh, schedule. And that is really important to keep in place at both households. We are going to be faced with lots of uh, issues to figure out when this is done and quality of education and quality of the, um, or schedules that children have been keeping should not be, one that should be the least of our concerns. And so I think, um, you know, often people have run to court for all of these answers and courts responses right now are they have, um, all kinds of issues. They have dangerousness to deal with. They have, um, a lot of priorities that unfortunately come before families and their concerns. And so this is a time that we have to look outside of the court. The courts are closed. You may get a phone call if you're lucky or an email that says your hearing's been put off and it's been put off way down the line and you're left with what do I do in the meantime? And I think that, um, Again, Laura's app, our app, and other thought leaders need to be talking about, let's now strip down everything and strip it down so that we are talking in a business-like format. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is the children's schedule and what is their schedule going to be like? And can we do that in two households? Or for me to have input, if I've agreed to let my children be um, home sheltered at just one residence and it's not mine, then I need to be heard as to their schedule. That's not something we really promote, um, having someone reach into the other household, but this is a different time. We need to be reaching in so that we have input into the stability and into the overall planning for children. I really like that. And I really appreciate the
0: fact that both of you are talking about keeping a schedule for educational purposes because I do think that a lot of parents are going back and forth as to how to do that. And as an educator and journalist, I truly believe our children do need to continue their education, but not this strict adherence to six to seven hours of learning, but some solid active learning for three to four hours. So Laura, it really is important for parents to understand that this routine and structure does provide security and structure to our children, right?
1: Yes, and, and, and it really is important to say, I'm not going to worry about this, you can worry about it, dumps a whole load onto your co parent that isn't quite fair. Doing the catch up on his or her days, it doesn't make sense. We have to get together. Again, these are our children, we decided to be parents. We have to take up the slack of the education system for a minute here because they can't do what they did when our kids were coming to school every day from 8 or 8.30 until 3 or 3.30. They are trying to make it as easy as possible for us. I know it's difficult. Look at kids that have ADD that aren't going to be able to sit in front of a computer for an hour or something like that. We have to figure, and that is why as parents, we have to get together and get on the same page. It's really important. So again... Those three Cs, you communicate with your co-parent. I've been all day talking to each of the fathers of each of my sons about the best way to figure out how to be doing this for a fourth grader and a ninth grader, respectively. Communicate, talk about how it's going to work, really get on that schedule. Again, not just for the academics, but getting up in the morning. My 14-year-old would love to be sleeping until 11 o'clock. Every day. Wake up, have some kind of physical activity, have meal plans. It doesn't have to be so strict, but it has to be strict enough that it gives them some structure and the ability to get back in front of that computer and get back in front of their schoolwork and do it so that they actually are thriving during this period and then they can get back into the game when it's done then be considerate of what the other person has said when you've done the communication about it and then figure out the way to cooperate to make it happen. These are these are our kids. There's nothing
0: more important than that. I absolutely love that advice. That is so, so important. Thank you so much. I want to talk about some financial questions. I had mentioned at the top about parents asking to pay a reduced child support. There's one question that came into Co-Parenter The question is, my child is in quarantine with me. Do I still need to pay child support? What do you say to that judge?
2: Um, I say that uh, support and those orders, like most judges um, have indicated, need to stay intact until they're modified, especially when my part of the planning is if you are it now at this point home sheltering and the children are there, we're still talking about makeup days a day for a day as soon as this is over and to absolutely withdraw that support that people are dependent upon is, um, is a travesty. Let me give you an example. I had someone ask the other day or someone that is fighting over a private school payment. So every week, this, uh, monthly, this payment comes out of one co parenters account. And their routine is two days before the um, withdrawal out of the one parent's account, the other co-parent has cooperated all along and put the money in. Now that individual that is um, putting the money in on Wednesday before the other parent has the money come out has said, they're not in school, I'm not going to pay. And so I've had to spend time discussing with them that that payment is still intact and sh- that payment is still coming out of the other party's account. And there is home curriculum that's being followed, but that's people are scrambling because not just because they're bad guys and bad gals out there. That's not it. It's, they're scrambling because they've just been laid off. They, they don't have any income themselves. They are scared to death. And so I understand, but we need to all do the best we can to, to, Make those obligation and payments, or the best you possibly can. Um, The courts, I do not believe, after after, uh, being on the line with judges all over the nation, they are not going to be opening or getting hearings right away for any of those modifications to take place. Uh, And Laura, you would know better than I, as an attorney, that I just don't see that as the priority. That if there's a domestic violence situation, if there's a A child at risk situation. If there's a criminal case that needs to be handled, even a conservatorship, these are going to take priorities, I believe. um, And then we're going to have a huge backlog, regardless when we open back up in months from now. So. You've got to do the best you can.
1: Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, I've had so many clients at our firm call me, and there are a lot of athletes and entertainers and musicians. I mean, the entertainment industry is pretty much shut down. So although, you know, streaming and everything is doing well for the moment – there's nothing that's in production, and we're gonna really see how that begins to kind of dial back. Um, these people are calling and saying, what do I do, what do I do? Can we lower my support? As the judge will tell you, usually judicial officers are gonna look at you know 12 to 24 months, so three weeks in isn't really gonna do it for a modification, um, and yes, the only things that are really being heard right now, at least in Los Angeles at Stanley Mosque, are domestic violence. They're not gonna listen to the support modification request, yes, they will be there. And yes, it is a valid concern to have, but it's a little bit unripe at the moment. So now the question is, what do you do in the meantime? I would definitely be speaking with my co-parent about what it is that I'm able to pay or what it is that they're able to do. Anything you do hopefully should be reduced to writing because you don't want to have some kind of an agreement and then come back with a contempt in you know, six months or something. Again, you guys are in this together. Figure out a way to get through this difficult period. Private school, housekeeping, domestic help, all of those things will be readjusted at some point. But for now, try to keep the status quo to the extent that you can.
0: So what I want to do, I want to ask a few questions that I think are really important that you could probably just give the answers and really help a few of these parents out there. One question is, we have 50-50 custody arrangement and an order that says the delivering parent must provide transportation, and now my co-parent won't bring our child. Should I just go over and get her?
1: What's the reasoning for the co-parent not bringing the child? He or she doesn't want to leave the house or he or she doesn't want to exchange custody?
0: It doesn't say, but that's the question.
2: So I think, I think Laura is absolutely right. Um, what we have to do is understand from both parents, what is the motivation for the action? Who's doing what to whom and why? What is the outcome that people want to have? So when you ask that question, it seems simple enough. Should I just go over there? Well, you can't answer that question until you peel that onion back and ask a series of other questions. Is there a reason why um, you do not want to come? Would you prefer that I come? Is there a concern for your health or those in your household? You know, I think that now is the time for folks not to have um, the opportunity just to draw a line in the sand. Instead, we need to step way back from that and start asking meaningful questions that are not to promote our view of what the answer should be Um, like somebody said that expectations are are just a placeholder for um, later revenges i don't want to have anybody be in that position i want people to be in a position to say tell me how you're feeling tell me why you're thinking this and and start to ask really in-depth questions one at a time and peel the onion back because once you understand the motivation so in that situation let's say that they are scared to go out of the house. They don't want to go out of the house themselves. They are not opposed to you coming to the house and the children going out. But if you don't know that, going over and banging on the door and demanding, you've created an even more stressful situation for the children. Now, remember, we as adults are having these anxieties. Think of how you feel right now as an adult. I mean, I sit here in a situation where I can self-quarantine and I have ample food and I have electricity on and I have warmth. I even have my dog Meryl Streep sitting on my lap and, <laughs> and petting her head. That's one word, no, no nicknames. And I I am concerned and yet I have answers and I have ability to process that. I have a partner to process that with. I can Marco Polo, my children who are adults and process that. Imagine being a child. Every layer of anxiety and stress that you add on their plate can be a lasting adverse childhood experience for them. And so when you think of it that way, it's very poignant to to say, step back and start asking questions and listen to the answers.
0: I really love that, Judge. And I have been talking to a lot of parents about how to reduce anxiety, stress, and depression and have offered a lot of information about how to do this and why it's important to get outside and get active and to even maybe start incorporating meditation, mindfulness into a child's life, a parent's life. We do that in my home and it really is beneficial. It's backed research. Parents and kids are anxious and stressed and it really leads me to think about teenagers. And Laura, I really wanna ask you to address this because teenagers are having a very difficult time in this situation with social distancing, seems to be much more difficult for them. I mean, I think that was the first week or so was really difficult. And I feel
1: like a lot of the kids were giving their parents a hard time about going out, meeting up with each other. That has kind of diminished, I think, as everybody really locked down a little bit more, at least here in L.A., um, my teenager is really just bored. And what also worries me is he may not be getting enough kind of physical activity. We go on walks, we take the dogs, we live in an area where it's really great to be able to go out and walk. But yeah, he's bummed about it, and it is hard for them. And those of them that won't be able to celebrate their prom, those who won't be able to do their graduation and walk the line at their high school, really, really difficult. Um, They're better than we are at all the social media stuff. And I'm hearing him in his room on calls with other kids and all that. But it is hard for them. And I do feel for them because this is the time where they're kind of walking that line between exerting their independence and finding out how the world works and being out there while at the same time being able to Come back home and have their laundry done and their meals prepared and everything else So this is going to be difficult for kids as they kind of come out of this into the next thing But I do think for the most part they are listening now and not getting together if they're not We really have to do some better disciplining because they are really putting the rest of the world at risk
2: you know, I would I would wholeheartedly agree with uh, that, Laura. And I think that here's a great opportunity for us as parents to support the idea that they can stay um, socially connected. Um, Where we're usually saying no screen time, where we're usually saying, you know, you need to do this, that and the other and uh, collect their phones at night. I think um, encouraging them to set up, um, you know, virtual Uh, popcorn night or virtual, um, you know, socializing much like adults are having um, cocktail hours Mm -hmm. virtually. (laughs) And I, yes. And I've created a virtual uh, book club with some friends of mine. um, They're scattered throughout the United States that we can encourage them or to do a group check-in with their pals um, once a day on Marco Polo or to be able to uh, cook or bake Cookies and where you can do it safely, have them delivered on doorsteps or things like that, and think of ways to serve, to give service to others, or to be participating in something bigger than themselves. I think we need to encourage that, and it's some, it's it's interesting because I think it's one of the areas we can have a commonality. We could um, encourage them in competition to. For uh, exercise, you know, with Fitbits and Apple Watches and other mechanisms, there's a kind of a co- contest that can be created about who can do the most um, exercise, those kinds of things. We're usually at odds with technology. I think this is a good time as parents to say, you know, at the Ellsworth House, we're going to host the first popcorn and movie night. All right, everybody click Netflix right now. We're all watching Sandlot or whatever it is, and we're going to pause right now. And we're all have a discussion about it, and um, somebody has to use the restroom, and somebody's going to get the popcorn, and somebody needs a refill on their Coke. I mean, it sounds corny, but it is um, amazing how that at least creates connectivity.
0: And I just want to jump off what you were saying, Judge. I don't think it's corny at all what you are suggesting. In fact, my 11-year-old son who is in a book club has a meeting coming up that would have had to have been canceled, but now we are setting it up via Zoom for this book club date. So I love that idea for teens to use tech this way. This is really a time to embrace technology for all of its benefits. And I really do believe that this is a huge resilience and empathy build. So I love that you talked about that. Laura, what do you say about this opportunity for a resilience build in co-parenting? I think it's huge because
1: we actually are seeing for the first time in a really long time, there is no other option. So really, really, if you can't call your attorney, you can't go running into court, you can't you know, say, I'm just going to prepare the paperwork and be there myself. You have to figure it out. And I do hope That just like I'm telling, I'm getting all kinds of calls from people saying, well, if we're quarantined, are we going to end up getting divorced? Are we going to see the spike that China saw in divorces as a result of quarantine? How about kind of that, turning turning that on its head and saying, what about figuring out a way to get along better as a result of being quarantined? Getting along better as a result of having our courts closed and being forced to listen to each other and work, work through this? we have to come out the other side at some point. So just saying, okay, I'm not gonna engage at all. I'm just gonna keep the kids and you're not gonna deal with it. That's not a good answer at all for either of you, obviously. I mean, if it's upsetting to one person for the foreseeable future, it's gonna be super upsetting to the other person. As the judge will agree, the parent less likely to facilitate custodial time, maybe the parent who ends up losing custody altogether. So that's not a good idea. What really needs to happen is we figure out a way to get along and we do it here because now we have the time and opportunity to really strengthen our tools. And so I think I think it'll happen. I hope it'll happen. Um, I hope people really take this opportunity to listen to each other more than they did, A, when they were together, and B, that when they were able to separate, come up with orders with the help of attorneys or, or other legal means and really discuss how to best raise kids together.
0: And lastly, how do we support families who are in domestic violence situations? This is a huge concern I know for you both. And it's a concern for me as a child advocate.
2: Domestic violence is a very complicated and very difficult um, situation given any day. Uh, And with this crisis and diminished income and also diminished services, it is very frightening. Um, Most courts are opening for that singular purpose but still it is not enough because they're not able to um, give the services that are necessary there's a hotline that uh, folks can contact at least with um, i believe with our app we do a very good job of trying to keep um, parents communicating that have a child in common where there has been an order by the court that they communicate with regard to a child but it can be monitored and it can also be supervised by a trained individual with domestic violence training. I think that um, this is a really frightening time of uh, could be implosion in those families. And so we need to be very mindful. We need to get out as much information as we can um, through hotlines and shelters and those things that are possible. But remember no gathering of 10 people and, and sheltering at home well, that, that throws a, a, a real problem into their lives. So I would um, say that this is a dire time for them.
0: Is there anything important that we may not have asked you that you could add to this conversation that you think parents need to hear, Laura? This too shall pass.
1: It really will. We're gonna come out of this. Let's figure out a way to do it and keep our sanity, somehow get better, better ourselves throughout this process and make our kids stronger and more emotionally you know, safe.
2: So I would say that it is my sincere hope that during this time of uh, decluttering, uh, when we have all the noise of the world can be sealed off and we're more reflective, that it will be a tipping point for us to look inwardly at at how we treat our children when we are in a divorce, separated or never married, but children in common situation. Do we want... um, our legacy to be one that um, when in crisis, we made small adjustments, or do we want our legacy to be an epiphany that said, you know what, our kids deserve better. We've stared death at its face right at our doorstep. What have we done to change? Um, And so for me, what I say to parents is be still, listen, And then make a choice that puts your children right in the center and quit putting them in the middle of your chaos. Put them in the center of your thoughts each and every day. And let's make this COVID-19, post-COVID-19, and longevity planning for the future. Thank
0: you both so much for being here. I'm so grateful for your expertise, insight, and thoughtfulness on this topic. Thanks
2: for having us so appreciate what you're doing thank you for what you're doing um you have the ability to reach so many that we can't reach that we would like to so thank you so much
0: so parents these two brilliant family law experts have shared so much i hope their insight will help you get through some of the challenges we discussed if we rethink how our actions and words truly affect our children's health and well-being, this could in fact be that reset we talked about. This is actually an opportunity to elevate communication skills as well as practice patience and empathy as a co-parent and just as a parent. That's all for now. Hope to have you back for the next Kids Under Construction and don't forget to download and subscribe please and share.
2: Thanks so much for listening. See you later.